G'day guys, before we jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to access high quality meats and veggies that all the Change Room team have the pleasure of getting delivered from the Good Food Project. These 100% pasture-raised antibiotic and hormone-free proteins and spray-free fruit and vegetables are available at a 5% discount when you visit thegoodfoodproject.info and type in TCR1 in the promo code. That's TCR1 in capitals, and feel and taste the difference of great produce. Get on board and join the team. This podcast is a Tucker Media production. For more information, head to tuckermedia.com.au. Welcome to the Change Room Podcast, a whiff of well-being with Minnie and Matt. Minnie, our next extraordinary guest, has already received a heap of mentions in our podcast, so thought we'd grab him on. So Nam Baldwin's going to join us in the change room today. Yep, he's an absolute legend, Nam. His presentations always are so well received at our live events, and his chat today really gives you an insight into the person he actually is. One thing about Nam is every time you speak to him, you learn something new about him. You know, next thing he's a Black Dan 44 in some other martial art that you never heard about. So let's bring him into the change room and give him a whiff of well-being and see if he can handle us. Well, welcome to the change room with a well-being. And today, it's a little bit of an unusual episode we've got today because we've got one of the change room mentors on today, Nam Baldwin, who is, uh, again, this is not an easy description to come up with because Nam has so many amazing mm. attributes to, yeah. to share. But we're going to say an excellence coach who works in the area of high-performance sport across Olympic teams, uh, individuals that are world champions like Mick Fanning, Steph Gilmore, and again with teams in the sporting area and high performance like the Roosters, Richmond. It's just the it's a pretty long list, Nam. So it's 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 a it's a tough one to to wind up quickly. And and again, I think the other area that we also want to dip into today too as well is is that you know the high level executive corporates that you're also supporting and the approaches that you're utilising there as well. So. Welcome aboard, Nam. It's great to have you back in the change room. Pleasure, boys. Always good to see your faces. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, mate, we've been looking forward to it. And I, I guess one of the standard questions we have, Nam, to, to kick things off is, is that we ask people, what's the one thing or two things you've already done today to elevate your well-being? I've um, had a cold shower this morning. That was pretty good for me. I, I enjoy that type of thing. Just just switches me. I know it's really cold up in Queensland, but it's uh, <laughs> one way to do it. You know, there's so many things. There's, I've eaten well. I've eaten unreal, mini style of eating. I've drank plenty of water. I've uh, gone into my gratitude diary and written what I'm grateful about for today. I've breathed good. I've been practicing my breath work this morning when I woke up. So I've got a whole, yeah, there's a take, take your pick, one of those things. What I like talking to you about is, is that, you know, there's never anything else but honesty. Are they daily routines and rituals that you have? Yeah, they've become a daily practice. And I think the reason why is that I've found over the years, when I do these actions that lift my well-being, because I've done them so often, they've become a habit. It actually sets me up so much better for the rest of the day because mm. I have 
an energy and a brain's capacity to deal with things better because if my habits are really easy to follow through with and they left my well-being, then I've got so much more room mentally to go through the day. I would hate to wake up and not have a routine. I'd be like, what should I do? And then I'm mm-hmm. overthinking stuff straight from the start and then I might go on the wrong tangent and then I'll probably get confused and not know how to come back. And, you know, so it's a, it's just something that for me it's become a deliberate practice where now I'm, I can't not do these things, but it, it lifts me. That's the good thing is that by doing it that way, I feel like I energize myself and I have greater control of how I, how I feel and then how I think. Yeah, I love it. And consistency is the, the main uh, thing there, which, which you just mentioned, Nam. But your main area is high performance. T- tell us a little bit about um, your background in that and then how did you get started in this sort of realm? I guess that a lot of it comes down to the breath work that, that I do with, with all of us, with the mm. change room, which has such a profound impact on people's performance in any domain. And one of the first guys I worked intensively with that was Pat Rafter. And Pat, you know, five set games on yeah. courts that were 45 degrees, you know, two-time number one mm. in the world. What would he want to learn about breathing? But what we discovered was that there was so much on top of what he already learned in his career that now with this information, the breath work, it gave him what he said to me when we were training one morning, he, he looked to me and he said, this is giving me the sixth sense. <laughs> I'm mm. like, what do you mean? Mm. He goes, I just got this greater understanding around who I am and and my thinking and, and how I feel and how I can regulate those two things with something as simple as my breath. Mm. It calms me down. It keeps me regulated when I'm stressed out. I, I'm sleeping better. And I just have this, this sense of control with something that's happening 22,000 times a day, which is me breathing. So a lot of it started, the depths of which I went to started with Pat along with my partner, Devo, that you guys know well, who has a very, very good mind in relation to helping me teach people this information Mm. where it's common language, where the footy player understands now the science behind why breathing is so powerful. She Mm. helps me break it down into that common language. Mm. But again, back to the question, it was Pat and I and Devo working together for two years. It was meant to be six weeks, but we ended up two years. And we unraveled for him the sixth sense. By the way, he's now teaching a lot of the stuff that we went well, you, through. You know what? You're right because I was I was in Byron um, last school holidays actually, and I caught up with a good mate of mine, Dave Gingell, and he goes, "Oh, mate, I've been doing all this type of training." I said, "Yeah, what have you been doing?" Is about I'd go down with Pat Rafter, we go down to the beach, and we do, you know. And I said, "Oh, Nam Baldwin," and he goes, "Oh, yeah, well, that's what he's doing, you know, the, the tennis ball <laughs> training, and you know, so he's really into yeah. it and, and loves it." Um, but following on to what you just mentioned before, breaking the science down so it's really simple for people to understand. You know, you've got extensive knowledge in all these areas, but, but you do break it down, create like a simple tool, but in a calming way. The way you deliver things is what well, I found with listening to you gets you leaning in straight away. Have you always been, had that calming effect, even as a kid, or is it, have you learnt to teach that way? Yeah, so I was a scuba diving instructor from the age of 18, and one of the things that you had to be able to do was teaching people a, a course where they could dive to fairly 
deep levels of say 30 meters, 100 feet, you'd, you'd have to have a calmness about you because if you're down 30 meters, which I was by the way at North Strati one year where a six, five, six meter hammerhead came at us, you as the instructor have got to stay calm mm. in those situations because you, you've got four atmospheres of pressure on top of you when you're 30 metres under. If someone bolts to the top and holds their breath, they're done. Mm. So you've got to represent calmness in your demeanour, how you move, how you portray information on the top so that when you're down the bottom, they get it. That's where it came from, I believe, is teaching scuba diving. Yeah, and again, for many and I, it's easy for us to make the assumption that people understand what we're talking about here. If you can just break down a little bit, Nam, about how these breathing processes help an athlete, how do they help an executive, how, how do they help individuals execute at a higher level? Well, if we look at what's the most important aspect to our existence, it's oxygen, right? Oxygenation is king, <laughs> And, and hence why we breathe so many times a day, 22,000 roughly, give or take, right? So that's a lot. So we're breathing anywhere from sort of six to 20, depending on what you're doing, 20 times uh, a minute. And there's a reason for that because your body wants oxygen. Now, why does it want it? Because, well, that is the main ingredient that generates energy, allows us to make energy to be able to think, feel and act. So the reason why it's such an important factor is that you know, without that happening on a high level, you can't really expect performance to work at a very high level. Because if I'm not well oxygenated, if I am breathing erratically and incorrectly, it interferes with things like my heartbeat, which is the biggest signaling device that we have in our body. So if my heart's beating erratically and getting challenged due to stresses and my breathing is exaggerating that, I've then got information traveling up to my brain going, hey, this is all very threatening. And then my brain starts to really stress out and how it's going to operate. And I start to function from more of a caveman kind of, cavewoman kind of process of react. And then emotions get fired. And now my logical brain kind of just shuts, shuts down and I find it difficult to, to think logically and reasonably. And setting goals can be challenging, all those things that normally we take for granted. So the breathing aspect, if we get that foundation happening well, especially during moments of stress, we're giving our brain, our heart, exactly what it wants to perform better. And there's a very simple process behind it. And then if we practice, it becomes a habit. And then, then we can bolt things on top of that. So I hope that I've kind of gone off a bit there, Matty, sorry, but I hope that kind of explains things a bit. No, it explains it perfectly, Nam. So let's give a little example of mm. Pat Rafter or Mick Fanning or a, or a rugby league player. I know mm. you've worked with the Roosters, as you know, we've elab- you know, already talked about, and, and other high-level teams like the Blues and Richmond. What, how does a, a person at a high level utilise that breathing practically? If you give us a, an example of how that would yeah. actually look. You know, let's let's go, let's go, Pat. Let's go, Mick. Well, any of them really. Um, I think an element of high performance is to uh, really establish a sense of calmness within yourself amongst intensity. So, in in the realm that we're talking about this before footy play, doesn't matter. There's a there's a high level of intensity, high level of expectation that can all create a stress response, and we know through breathing that we can regulate certain areas of the body that allows that stimulus, that external or internal stimulus of threat to become less threatening 
and therefore we're able to to respond more effectively, make better decisions. And the breath can help us get to that level of operation, both from a physical perspective and a mental perspective. Now, the idea is that deliberate practice needs to happen where you practice in different scenarios so that when you then go into competition and high levels of stress, you then go into the notion that, hey, I can back myself because I've done it in training Mm. and that supports things like confidence. And so there's layers to this that build over time so that, again, if we could summarize it, we could just go, well, let's just go back to the breath and all those little facets will probably fall in line with it. And therefore, getting very good with your breath actually gets you really capable of being confident, gets you really capable of addressing a high pressure, high heart rate scenario where you have to think clearly. It's the breath, again, that will create this anchor, this stabilization within the body and the mind to get the best from yourself. So Pat Rafters, he's on match point and, you know, mm. it's all level or whatever mm. it is and he's been going for five hours and he's walking back to do the serve. How, what would he do? Well, ideally he's not going to think much about what he needs to do because in his training he would have put in practices that will now be a habit and it will naturally come through him to be able to deal with that type of pressure. He might occasionally go to his breath and go, let me just really create a calming out breath right now after I've breathed in to try and just lower my heart rate, which it will, and get my body to send cues inward to say it's okay by softening his shoulders and chest as he walks around. So that then there's this sense of calmness and relaxation coming into his demeanor and then that, that is then sending signals literally from his body up to his brain going, we're good, let's go. And the threat now becomes a good challenge rather than a threat. But he did it with his out-breath for a moment. Mm. And then he might put a couple of other things in place like, okay, this serve, it's going to be like this. But he again, we've got these tools that we can use that will create these effects. It's like a, like a roll-on effect. If we get the basics right, the fundamentals that we know we can control, then the difficult things are easier to take on and and make happen. And that's the same thing that we're, like if I'm a CEO of a large company or or whatever, I'm I'm using the same cues with my breathing if I'm in a gnarly meeting or there's the pressure on in some other area. Let's go through a cue. Like, you you know, most people you say, well, they breathe just through the chest. How how is the proper way to breathe when when you're using these techniques? Yeah, it's really, really simple. I mean, if we if we look at a body, um, we know that the diaphragm, which draws air low into the lungs, where most gas exchange takes place, is at the bottom of of our chest area, where the lungs are attached. Mm-hmm. So that when we breathe deep, and it doesn't mean taking a big big breath, it just means taking a deep breath. It the air goes deep. You're relaxing your six pack, right? or your two-pack or whatever you've got, (laughs) so that you can use your diaphragm to draw the air in low to get a good amount of air in and therefore oxygen available for you to take off around your bloodstream. And then when you breathe out, it's about where's, where's the tension because stress creates tension. And if we want to de-stress, we've got to let go of tension. So if I then soften my chest, my shoulders a little bit as I breathe out and just let my jaw area become a bit softer and open my eyes into more of a peripheral sort of a vision, when I breathe out, those signals with that out-breath softening through the upper part of the chest, they're going, sweet, we're good. We're going into a calm state. So in low, then up a little bit higher, and then 
let go as you breathe out. Posture is obviously a big thing, keeping good posture. And, and you get this yeah, good flow of, of a rhythmic breath that then signals through the body that you are in control. Nose in, nose out at a lower heart rate. And now you can start to use oxygen well. You can start to make better decisions because the biological needs are taken care of. Now, um, again, I, we, we could geek out on that all day. You know mm. that you and I have don't have often have short conversations. <laughs> We've been working together for seven years, and I never fail to find something new about you all the time. So, uh, like it, a couple of years back, I found out you're a Black Dan thirty seven yeah, and about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> twelve martial arts. What are, what what are they again? What what are you a, a master in? Uh, yeah, kung, kung fu. Yeah, and um, it's actually mad. I'll just very quick of the story was okay. I'm eight years old. I'm in in, in a in a school in South Africa and during the apartheid where they could beat you as a kid. And I get I'm in cricket practice and I drop the ball right, and I dropped it three times, which means you get three hits with the cricket bat. <laughs> so okay, I get I get hit three hits with the cricket bat. Go home. I'm I'm pretty upset because I got another five years in this joint. I'm like, holy shit, this is. <laughs> I can barely sit down. <laughs> we had a gardener at the time and he was a fifth Dan mm. black belt. He taught me how to breathe well. And then I got into martial arts because I was intrigued on, well, this guy's just showed me how to catch a ball, never dropped a ball in cricket practice again, didn't get, mm. get, get you beat You've got to get your all. fingers down, mate. <laughs> yeah. You're, like that. You're not going to catch him with your fingers up like that, mate. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll do that next time we get together. Yeah, yeah. So the martial arts side is a way to learn realistic ways of dealing with pressure. Mm. Because when you're in the ring, it's real. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, this is serious shit, and if I don't protect myself, I'm going to get real hurt. So I went down that venture of martial arts because it, it was the greatest learning ground for experience that you could possibly have when it comes to things like pressure. I believe... Fighting because it's it's from a nervous system's perspective, mm. it's the fight flight, and so I wanted to learn to regulate how I responded when I went into that state. Kung fu and fighting, because my one of my sparring partners was a um, six-time world Muay Thai champ. It taught me so much, where I just learnt what worked and what didn't. So again, the, the the second part of that question was. So mm. I, I looked at your qualifications the other day because I had to get a divan to send them through, and you've got a qualification in kinesiology, which you've never shared with me. Not that no. I'm I'm not upset about it <laughs> at all, not one bit. But again, I, I guess the thing that I want to ask is not only about the kinesiology, but all the other learning that you've been able to accumulate. How does that impact your delivery? in what you're sharing with people. You understand where they're coming from when they go and tell you stuff about the problems that they've got. You know, I've researched and learnt and I want to know what you're feeling when you're stressed. And I'm only going to really know that if I take myself into that environment myself and have done done the work, the difficult work in that space. So not that kinesiology is different, but f- difficult, but fighting is. But kinesiology taught me the relationship between our chemistry, our emotions, our physicality, and how each of those corners of a triangle, if you like, represent stability. And if one is out, the other will get loaded. So it taught me about the dynamics of the human um, genome, how we are put together, that 
homeostasis is key, but we can't just address one thing and expect another thing to be okay. We, we need mm. to look at the whole picture. And so kinesiology taught me the relationship of how we need to look at the whole person, not just their exercise, the physicality. We've got to look at their emotions. We've got to look at their nutrition. And we've got to look at all the aspects of what makes them whole to give them the best opportunity to grow or to change or whatever it is that they're after. When you go into teams like the Roosters or the New South Wales Blues or, you know, Richmond, what do you look for first and, you know, what what are they looking for as their outcomes as well? I, first of all, look for, you know, it's not really a look for, it's more of a feel. I want yeah. to f- make sure that we are in the right space together. And what I mean by that is, <clears throat> you know, what's the culture like? Because is it a culture of learning or is it a culture of individuality? Or is it, you know, so I'm looking and feeling for that when I walk in to, to then get the impression of how I need to then present. So if it's a very open culture, when I walk in, I'll, I'll be greeted and welcomed and, mm. you know, so good that you're here. Um, you know, the Roosters, as you know, many, I mean, what a great culture. And when I yeah. started with them, it, it was one of the first things we did was we went into a room and we had to each... I had to ask the group that we're with five pretty personal questions. And for me to be in that group of five that first day said that they, they trust me Mm. and they accept me and therefore, cool, I'll be able to educate and help these guys well because of what I'm feeling with that cultural experience that, that then brings the best out of me too, which is, is interesting. You might have to ask me the second part because I forgot. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, you know, you deliver this to high um, executives as well. Um, what to, what do they expect or, you know, what do you look for when you go into, uh, you know, not in, the, not in a team environment as well, yeah. like individual? Well, I do listen to, so I always, we have a bit of an interview before we actually begin working together uh, and I'm just listening for some of their language in mm. relation to the challenge that they want to improve upon. And then that language, the words they're using tells me a lot about actually what is happening and they may not even know that. So a lot of questioning around the challenges that they have, a lot of questioning around the environment that they live in, those sorts of things. And then then I send them quite a lot of data to to fill Mm. out for me so I can get a snapshot of the person before I actually even start or whether I want to start with them. And and do you get them to go through the breathing techniques that you just mentioned earlier, the diaphragmatic breathing? Is that what they? Is that what you do with the team as well to get their breath work? Are they conscious yeah. about their breath work so it becomes automatic under pressure? Yeah. So we, we'll and we'll start with the very basics and we'll yep. do some measuring and some testing first just to see where they're at and their ability to use oxygen, but also deal with the gas that builds up carbon mm. dioxide. So some measurements and then lay the foundation and keep this building from there. You know, you've worked with great teams that have won grand finals in the past three years. So that's certainly a lot of teams are looking that way at the moment, aren't they? They're looking for that extra edge and that calmness under pressure is probably the most important thing, calmness is key, isn't it? Oh, yeah, like it's um, let's learn to be calm in a calm environment first. So let's let's teach you how to get to better yeah. sleep Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you have to be calm to be able to sleep. <laughs> and then we'll take it into rough and that's me training with them and make it rough and challenging. And then, then you can take it into hostile, which is then, you know, the grand final. So go through those levels if you like. Those, those circumstances, Naam, have a high visibility and it's great to talk about them. But I, I'm all, I'd also love 
to get from you, you know, so some good examples mm. of individuals or teams that you've worked with that perhaps nobody knows about that, that you have a real sense of pride about in what, what they've been able to achieve or what the outcomes have been? Yeah, I got you know, so from the business world, I'll start with there. I've got a, some really great clients that a great business individual has very similar traits and characteristics of a top athlete, whether that be male or female, it doesn't matter. And that is the the desire to learn and the ability to take feedback. What I mean by that is that, you know, when they are off the rail, they, mm. they have this great ability to listen and take the feedback and then apply themselves in a deliberate way. So they're, they're good at deliberate practice. What I've noticed with a couple is that, you know, they may have had $30 million on the table and this decision needs to be made, but it might mean that they lose part of who they are if they, may, if they take that money. They lose their sense of self-worth or character or what they stand for. Mm. And I've had some massive breakthroughs with individuals that have gone, nah, I don't want that because it's interfering with what I represent as a human. And that's honourable to me, you know, that they stand by their word and they stand by who they believe they are rather than all this cash, which is very difficult when that's on the table, you can imagine. But the work that we do is about building the individual and helping them grow to, you know, when, when it comes to the end, do you have any regrets or you're happy with your decisions and you, you live with that purity and that honesty and that authenticity? And that's what we do a lot of is, is unpacking that with the stresses of what happens in their world every day. Can they be the person they want to be and stand for what they want to stand regardless of losing 30 million, gaining 30, it doesn't matter. Can I, can I be me and be whole to that? how I respond and, and so on. So that's a great thing to be around and to feel and hear a lot of those stories and help people progress in that space. And then it could just be a, you know, an athlete that was, you know, 22 in Australia and in the ranking system and now they're number one in the world, you know, and, and you just work with them for two years and a lot of it is working with their identity, actually, again, who they are <laughs> and allowing them to discover that, they are good enough and they have, if they have the, the raw skill, it's the character that we need to work on that needs to come through to be able to apply that skill under pressure and under expectation and so on. And working with that type of person is, it's liberating, it's, um, you know, it's inspiring. It, it, it makes it a necessity for me to, to do my work on my side of the bargain and research more and and give them more and, and be very curious around how far can we go and let them feel that curiosity so that they're like, whoa, this is like being in a candy shop. What are we going to discover? Mm. So that that's always a, an, a, a drawing thing for me is, is people that work well in return and you get some amazing results. I mean, humans, you know, we're amazing at what we do, but, but, but so much of it's mental and physical combined. If we can get those two things working well together, um, as we know, wow, what a difference. I mean, I've, I've watched you both, you know, from an outside looking in and you both inspire me to be better because of what you guys have done. So it's great to, to be a part of this tribe, if you like, mm. and, and then people I work with. You've sparked a couple of questions in me there, Nam. And I, first of all, I, I want to go back to what you said about, you know, the the leadership side of things. And we're in a pandemic at the moment. And I guess with that comes a lot of social and economic uh, consequences that leadership are impacted by, right? And you work with people and, 
at a leadership level. What are some of the fundamentals that you've been able to observe in people that do it really well with all this mm. stuff going on and people that uh, probably not so well? First of all, what, what can you control? Get really clear on the controllables and what you can do and get really clear on that and then get your team clear on that. Um, get to the truth, you know, get get to the bottom line as in, you know, how is this going to impact us but also making sure that the people in your group feel that they matter and that you care for them and then there's a sense of belonging and then you really get momentum with them helping you too. So that that's a real important piece. Um, and then also, you know, look, taking care of the, the, uh, the fundamentals, <laughs> You know, this is the house that we live in. This, the, the body is, is our home. So make sure that your home is is in good working order <laughs> because the outside of our home is pretty chaotic. So if, if this is healthy and, and get make sure that that's taken care of every day, you'll, you'll make better decisions. And then being aware of mindset. Is it fixed or is it open? Is it fixed or growth? You know, and, and helping them with that. I'd like to build something into that. Sorry, many I keep go. building questions in here. Um, I guess in this this time, and I, I'll look at myself where, you know, you're working from home and then there's a lot of things that have been punched together. I know you and I have had a conversation about this in the past, about compartmentalising things mm. and understanding that, that separation of you know, that, that this is an issue for work and this is not a personal issue. How do you coach that? Yeah, good good way to do it is, is again, I find anyway, A, explaining what compartmentalising is because that's a quite a big word that a lot of people get trip over to saying it. <laughs> yeah, I nearly did. obviously <laughs> understanding. Yeah. So yeah. You know, and, and once that's really clear, you know, that's, that's really how our brain works too. You know, we, if, if we look at the way brain functions, it, it only focuses on certain things at, at given times. And if it focuses on everything, we'd be going nuts. Mm. So what we need to do is to, again, be really clear on where our attention needs to be so that should it be something that we cannot control, okay, so we don't want to put our, too much attention on that because it's just it's going to stir things up. But then also being aware of, again, tasks. What is my task for today and how am I going to get that done? But in that notion too, when things, when things become challenging or stressful, it's about helping yourself resolve that conflict of why it may be a stress. And that will be through conversation and, and even diarising stuff and jotting stuff down so that you don't let things pile up one on top of the other so that then you cannot compartmentalise. So um, the fact that the dishes aren't washed doesn't just send you off into this rage because that's just that last thing <laughs> and then everything becomes becomes too stressful so it's it's about keeping perspective but that will mean making sure that if you're working at home you you have time frames where it's work and then you have a time frame where you have a quick break to to reset some of those things that you've been working on where your brain can calm down, move, have a break, hydrate, mm. move, okay, go back. And then at the end of the day, you tidy up your desk like you would maybe at work, but you, you also jot down things that you may have been done well today. Mm. Give yourself your own feedback, things you need to improve on. And then what am I going to do tomorrow for my business, but also for me personally to stay in this good state? And jot that down, get it clear so that when you wake up, there's a direct 
amount of certainty to your brain of what you need to do when you're doing it. So preparation. So now I'm I'm going to rewind back a little bit in one of your responses before and how being having people that are engaged and want to find a better way provides you with the opportunity to to do extraordinary things with them. I want to challenge you on one thing there is how that must feel because, it, you know, in the change room, we quite often experience people that have been injured for a long time, can be quite cynical at stages, yeah? And, I, you know, I've seen you walk into rooms where everyone's sitting back like this, <laughs> you know, and, oh, my God, what's this going to be about? And, you know, within a week, some of the processes that you've shared with them have improved their sleep by 50%. You know, have allowed them to regulate their pain. You know, when you look at the results that you've achieved in in the change room and what what we've done collaboratively, surely that also sometimes overcoming people's resistance must also be something that you get a lot of bit, you know joy out of. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm going to sit with that question for a bit. I I, I do because I guess this is probably a bit corny, but you get to the truth. You'll work. You'll find the way, right? You get to the truth. You'll find find a, or find a better way, as we always say. But it's about getting to the truth, and then it's about doing the doing the work that can be difficult to get to the truth. And when I say the truth, it is whatever um, path needs to be taken to grow, to change, to get better sleep, and then test it. I test things myself, like as you you guys know. I, I do the work. I, I just, you know, whatever I teach, I've done it myself time and time again. So I know it works for me. And then I do the research scientifically and go, well, is there evidence to suggest that what I'm telling them is truthful from a scientific perspective? Because mm. you don't want to leave p- people down the rabbit hole and then, oh, it was just a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, so, so I guess with that, with the resistance is... I know with the truth that isn't necessarily for me that we're going to get a great outcome here because with that resistance, there's an energy. And I reckon when you when you get that resistance and you turn it around, it's I'm all in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you can get people all in more if they're really resistant and then you manage to just educate them, show them, let them feel it, and then they turn around, all that resistance now becomes enthusiasm. You mentioned something earlier in your past answer, which I think is really important, is being able to switch off uh, and re- relax the mind. And that, and that was one thing that I was pretty good at as a rugby league player is to leave training and actually unwind and not, have to, not think about what I need to do the next day until, the, uh, until I'm preparing for the next day. And, and a lot of uh, professional sportsmen, that's 24-7 with them. Or what about even, you know... CEOs or high clients that are just working or and then they, they come home and they're still on their emails and they're working, they're working, they're working. Uh, I think, mm. do you find that when you start with clients or teams or individuals, when athletes as well, yes. getting them to switch off is probably vital as well as the training part of it? Totally. And I, and I think I'd probably just change that, that wording, switch off. I, I encourage them to wind down. Right, yeah. And that's a process. So, again, yeah. when you give them the process of how to wind down and looking at then a time frame mm. of winding down before bed, like three hours, you can then give them simple tools and tips to follow that will allow that process to happen. So it's not such a big, 
right, now I've got to switch off. It's like, no, no, yeah, no, let's yeah. just wind down. And then yeah. that that's a great way to help people get into that calmness and, you know, learn from themselves. Mm. What, what about your personal approach, Nam? You know, what are your fundamentals for a, a you know, good, healthy life? It's one of those things where I, I, I do, again, practice what I preach. So for me... You know, the, the, the mind is, is a very important aspect, mm. I guess, because I've worked a lot on the physical for many, many years. Now now it's more of a, a, a mental aspect of, you know, the meditation, the breath work, which is physical too, but it, it also correlates with how we think. And then in the morning, if I could sum it, sum it up, in the morning it's about generating energy and getting clarity, you know, fueling my body in different ways to then take on the day. And then during the day, it's, it's about addressing the say it's work it's about addressing what's most important it's about the physical what's most important today it's about the mental what's most important today and 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 have little routines and rituals whatever you want to call it they Mm. do that gets the best out of those areas and then you know it's all a lot to for me it's about having fun so it's about where can i inject some fun in this and making sure i get that regularly from a business side where I, every 12 weeks I'll have at least a week off to reset, have adventure, have fun. And then the important thing for, for, for us is sleep, you know, the quality of our sleep. So we eat really good. We, so all the biological requirements, connection, you know, really starting to improve on connecting with people and as best as I can to, to get that human connection met where, you know, that, that seems to really create a shift in how you feel dramatically when you, mm. you hang out with good mates or all new people, doesn't matter. But but that's a that's a thing I've identified in the last couple of years what I want to improve upon is is connection with people and so on. So how do you do that now? I, I, I've got a couple of questions that come out of that. But the first thing is is that like everyone we can sit here and well I'm I'm now rather than myself putting myself in the position of people tuning in. And going, okay, I think human connection would be a really good thing for me to, you know, to do. How, what, what, what processes do you do to identify? Because I can go, if I like, I can go to the pub around the corner <laughs> and and that's probably not the human connection that I'm looking for. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, and I'm not being derogatory to, to people that like to do yeah, that, yeah. but I'm just yeah. saying because of, you know, I've, I've had health issues in the past and that's not going to actually... Help me find a better way. So, what what are the other techniques that you would advise to you know to get yeah. that like minded tribe going? Well, that's exactly it. You kind of answered it there. And I I'm aware of who I am and what I enjoy, and then I'm, I want to hang with the people that are like minded <laughs> because then you know we have great conversation and and um, you know the things that I love to do. I know that I'm going to hang with people that are very similar. So the experiences that we have are varied because I like variety, adventurous and. Great conversation will follow that, obviously, because we're like-minded. So it's it's about finding those people around you that are, are similar-minded to you. I, I believe this is for me. And then also I tend to want to, in a group, I'll, I'll see if I can ask more questions than, than say stuff. So, like, I'm talking a ton here, but normally I'd like to ask more questions and, mm. and help others speak and then be interested in why they're saying things and, and kind of, yeah, get, get that flow going around questioning. But then experience is a king for me. So, yes, I want to catch up with people, but I want to have an experience 
with that catch up somewhere doing something. Mate, I, I want to press you on this now because I, I know that I've, I always love learning new stuff about you, know. I mean, there's, there's always something comes from somewhere every single time. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about your next holiday or your, these experiences. What are, Rather than just say, I, I like having experience, what are we talking about? It could be, yeah, like the image behind me. It's like going <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy places. Surfing, doing doing things that are are going to push my limits, whether that be a, a hike where I got to climb something or do something that it's just just engaging on on that edge of my comfort zone. Mm. Uh, like the other day, I shouldn't have done it, <laughs> but I went hydrofalling. You know, the electric one with the motor, oh, yeah. the prop on the bottom. Yeah. It was my third go, but I ended up going 15 k's, and now my hips out. <laughs> but it, but it was so good because it was the edge of my ability, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" I got stuck into it with a mate, mm. and and that was just so fun. But it came at a cost. But it's it's about going to. I like things that are kind of on the edge to a degree, but then I like also. You know, hanging out with people that are really in, like you, Matty, really into meditation and, and discussing the depths of that, which is in the edge of my comfort zone again, because I don't know a great deal about it. So it's about exploring that outer range of where I'm comfortable to a degree. There might be comforts involved, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still going then and doing things that are out of my comfort zone, free diving to 50 mm. meters, you know, abseiling. Skydiving, whatever. Just let's just experience something that's a bit a bit out there. So you and I will uh, enjoy each other's company when you come back from your adventures. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, the other thing I, I, I really want you to share, Nam, because it's something I really admire about you is is that the way that you accumulate mentors or or your your quest for new knowledge. So I'd, I'd love you to share what what are you you know where, where are some of your key mentors mm. or learning at the moment? You. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry I'm, for that. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I if I look at why you, you were very honest with me when I first went to the Warriors. I flew over. It was my first break into NRL, and I remember the conversation we had, and it was really fair. He said, "If they don't like you, you're going to have to fly home." Um, <laughs> You're here for a week, but let's just see how you go. So you were very real and very honest, and I really enjoyed that side of being pushed and, and going, okay, i got to step up. And that, that to me was great. But at the same time, you were so free with your information and learnings that, you, you know, there wasn't any kind of um, hierarchy with us. It was just we're, we're on the same sort of level, which was really refreshing. So that you're one of them. And then... And then Minnie too, you know, the way that Minnie's come out of adversity with his difficulty but followed a particular way of exercising and eating and, you know, it's, it's always great to be in that space and ask some, some questions but I don't even have to with you, Minnie, because I watch you when you present and I'm like, every time I'm like, wow, that is just unbelievable what changes you can get and then other people get. So I'm looking for people that have been through either you know, a breakthrough of some form, whether that be difficulty or into a realm that is unusual and they're getting great benefit from that. So with, with you, Matty, with the meditation and so on, that's really drawn me in because I know that 
it's such a powerful part of us becoming the best we can be or letting go of the worst of us <laughs> yeah. in, in those two things. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, the people I work with, because of the level that they're at, they, they become almost the my mentors too because um, in many respects they're almost like a mirror. You know, they're, 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 they're climbing their ladder, so am I. They're challenged by similar things, pressure, stress, so am mm. I. So I, I love to work with people in that domain that, are, that, that want more. They're looking for more ways to, to become happier with less in many respects. And so, therefore, my mentors and, and even my partner, Devo, is, is one of my greatest coaches because she's so brutally honest and she's been through a lot of adversity and come through it that then there's truth to what she mm. does and how she applies herself. And that's the other thing too is, is the truth. You know, I want to get to the truth of stuff. As people understand more about their own health and fitness, you know, your services are in high demand and growing and growing. You know, what's next for you? How do you deliver more programs or what, what's in the pipeline? What are you thinking with all uh, what you deliver? Yeah, so we're, we're building an online well-being and performance program that's got many aspects to it where ideally in time that's going to be online where it's, you know, for anyone in particular and we're trying to make it so that it will hit a very, very high performer and allow them to grow, but also someone who's just breaking into becoming healthier and wants to perform a bit better. So it's, it's kind of that, that it's a big spectrum, mm. but we're trying to make it as, as easy to understand the depths of being very, very good at what you want to do, whether it be health or performance, but also then if you, if you're struggling and you, you know, you're not sure about stuff, it's developing that and it's, and it's being developed. It's not, not ready for online just yet. And then I, I take on X amount of clients in a given period and that's obviously, it's great to have new ones coming through. So mm. I always, I'm open to new clients, but it might just be that there is a bit of a waiting list until I can really get yeah. to them. It's not long, but you know that, that's just how I operate. So I can give people my best. If you get too many, then it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah, for sure. What about the Olympics coming around? Um, I know you've done a fair bit of team with Olympic. Uh, work with Olympic teams in the past is that is that going to manifest again for you? Yeah, still is still working with a lot of Olympians. So Olympic sailing team in different divisions, two two or three different divisions. And the sailors are interesting. You know, they're very very fit humans, and, and they have to be very switched on mentally mm. for what they do. So they're great to work with. Jess Fox, she's the Olympic um, slalom canoeist, seven time world champ. Working with her, still working with Steph Gilmore. So I'm still working with a number of Olympic individuals and teams. We love working together, so we just keep doing it. That's awesome, mate. Um, so yeah. for the listeners, where can people find you, websites, socials, where can they find you? I've got a, a website, which is which is my my name, www.narnbaldwin.com. We've got another website, which is equalize, www.equalize.com.au, which is more of the breath training side of things that, that, we, mm. that links to that. Social media is just my full name, Nam Baldwin. I'm not a, a tremendous social media guy, <laughs> so I'll post stuff, but it's not all the time. And then obviously on, on LinkedIn, I think I'm on LinkedIn as well, Facebook, all, all those under my name. So pretty easy to, to find. Awesome, mate. Yeah, yeah, for anyone else too mm. that is interested, they can find Nam on the uh, the change room mm. 
Info yep. if, if you want to if you want to get to there and see some of the amazing results that he's had there as well. And we finish off with one last question that we normally ask all our guests, but you've probably answered this, which is what are your three or five things that you need to do daily? And that's you know I've listened to you speak many a times, and you know your win the morning strategy is just awesome. Well, you know I practice that as well. Yeah, well, there's one. Win the morning. Yeah, <laughs> there's a good chance you'll win the day, and that's a simple process. You know, oxygenate, hydrate, invigorate, move, uh, anticipate. What? Okay, well, how, how do you need to be? Um, sorry, appreciate. You know, who, what are you grateful for, and then anticipate. What have mm. you got on? What have you, who do you need to be, and just get that into a process. I need to move a fair bit, and if I if I don't. My energy drops, obviously, because life to me is movement. So that's a big, big factor. Mm. It's dancing, um, isn't it, that you do? I do a lot of dancing, Maddie. Yep, I've uh, yep. I pride myself from from your moves that you've done. <laughs> well, um, you're on video now, so I mean, <laughs> we're getting towards the end. You may as well, you know, <laughs> break, we'll out, break out, bro. <laughs> yeah. Come on, <laughs> don't fall out your back window. That's all. Yeah. yeah, getting outside is a big one for me too. Yeah. Being in nature. A lot, um, barefooted. Mm. You know, I, I think that's a, a fairly big one mm. of many people that I hang with. But yeah, just connecting to earth and you know, getting into nature and and you know, grounding myself and understanding that I am human and part of the the universe. And you know, that's an important piece for me too. Freddie would agree there. Freddie Fitler would agree. Hundred percent. Yeah, he, he loves the barefoot. <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, way yeah. as well. <laughs> so good fella, mate. That is awesome. Some Great info. As as always, you know, we've uh, heard you speak many a times, but there's always something that you pick up uh, and learn about when, when you speak, Nam. So thanks for coming on the Change Room podcast, mate. Yeah, yeah thanks. Thank you, boys. <laughs> thanks, Nam. Yeah, looking forward to doing some skydiving together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Change Room podcast, a whiff of well-being with Minnie and Matt. For more information about The Change Room, please head to thechangeroom.info.